Good morning to you. I was just going to give you permission to clap and say thanks to Ari for worship this morning. Got a wonderful voice, Ari, and a great feel. Thank you for ministering to us through the music this morning. Um, I am I'm glad to be with you. Did I say that? And I'm I'm uh, honored to be here as well. I I like. Uh, I like the setting. Do you know that you're sitting in new chairs? I think they're relatively new chairs, is my understanding, right? And so that's new. We got the table thing going in the back. For those that like to sip on something, sit at the table. We got the chairs by the window for those that feel like they might need to get out of here quick or something. <laughs> but I like this setting because I, because I can hear you sing. So I sang for a while, and then I sat down and listened to you. And there's ministry in that. There's something soothing about that, isn't there? Um, there's, a, there's a balm in Gilead, that's a verse from, uh, from Scripture, and it talks about the blessing and the balm, the soothing aspect of worship. So I think the Spirit's in the room, and you're in a good place. And uh, it's not too late for me to wish you Happy New Year, is it? I mean, we're only 12 days into this new year, into this new decade, uh, actually. And so I would wish you well. And uh, part of my, my hope and my prayer for you folks at Mercy Road is that you have stepped into this new year with, uh, with what? With a sense of, um, of expectation, maybe, anticipation, maybe even excitement. Why? We just turn, you know, it was December, now it's January. Isn't it the simply turning of a page on a calendar? Eh, it's that, but it's more, isn't it? Because there's a new page in front of us. And what are we going to write on that page? And we are stepping into this new year. And uh, God, hear this, God is not a God of the past. He did great things in the past, and he revealed himself in the past, but that's not where he's living. And we can't live back there either, folks. And, and you're not. That's not what I'm saying. But God is in the room right now, and he is inviting us into a dynamic and wonderful and amazing new year. Do you realize that the word new is used in Scripture over 300 times? New wine, new commandment, new mercies. We sang about that. New mercies every single day. So, so God is a God of new things. And he's in the room right now ministering to us and inviting us into this new year. He really is. And he would say to us what he said to Jeremiah. You know these words. Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a future and hope. It's part of what he would be saying to you. And so, you know, when someone says Happy New Year to you, you should say, Amen. Bring it on. Let's go. Because God's out there and he's inviting us forward. So, Happy New Year to your folks. And you say, Amen. Right? Amen. And another thing. I like you at Mercy Road. I, I like you folks. I, I feel... A connection with you because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. I've been here before with you, and I like what's going on in this church. And I, I would not say to you, you are poised for good things. That means you're kind of ready to go. You're going. You are practicing good things. And again, Scripture would say God has begun a good work in you, and he's going to see it through. Hear that at Mercy Road, okay? What you're about here and who you are here and how you're embracing the truth and receiving God's word and responding to it. It's making a difference, folks. You are a light in this community. It is not all about being big. I say this from time to time. God's not impressed with big. 
we have big houses and big stadiums and big churches and it's a big deal. That doesn't impress God. I don't know that anything impresses God, but what he desires from us and for us is faithfulness and service, and you're all about that. So bless your hearts for that. I'm glad to be with you. And he's not here, so let's talk about Mike, okay? <laughs> he's not lurking here. I mean, he's not here, right? Is, are we clear on that? He's online? Hello, Mike. Is he really? Well, for crying out loud. Show, show of hands, because he can't see that. How many of you like Mike? I guess there's no hands up, Mike. How many of you love Mike? Yeah, you, sh you yes, of course you do. And you, I want to say you should. It's not a matter of should. Of course you do. Because he's extraordinary. I mean, I've known Mike since he was a kid. And I am one, <laughs> a pastor. I, I know lots and lots of pastors. And so I can, tell you, I can tell you with authority and with all my heart that Mike is one of the best. He really is. And I think you know that. I, I'm, I'm sure you know that. I just want us to, to celebrate that and give thanks for that. He has a... He has a very keen mind. He's got a good heart. He's got a Jesus story. He loves the Lord. And uh, he loves you people very much. And so that's, you know, that's part of who Mike is. And, and he's so faithful to you as he teaches week in and week out. And so I, I hope that, um, I hope that he, he's on your prayer list. I hope you're praying for Mike, okay? You, you pray for family members, stuff at work. Put Pastor Mike on there. Always pray for your pastor. You hear this old saying, you want a better pastor, pray for the one you have. You, know, you, know that? you have a better pastor, and he'll get better and better still as you pray for him that God would provide for him and minister to him. And you know what? This might sound funny, but I'm glad he's not here. I told him not to be here. You know, he, uh, he was going to come back early from this conference, and he could be here on Sunday morning. I said, Mike, you're traveling? You're with your adorable wife. You don't have kids there. You're going to a wonderful conference. There's sunshine. Out-of-town sex is the very best. Why? Why? What did he just say? I'm retired. I can say stuff. I, I said, why would you come back to church early? We, you know, we'll get along fine without you. You notice he's not here this morning, so that's a good thing, right? Let me tell you a little bit, one more point I would make. Um, and this is for you, you to consider. Uh, this is what Mike does so well. What's the purpose of preaching? This is in your notes, kind of one of the things to, to think about. The purpose uh, of preaching or of good preaching is not about guilt and shame. You know, some of you have been on the receiving end of that, or, and I, I don't mean to be critical, but you, some of you have been in churches where the pastor is kind of ranting and railing and, and maybe stirring guilt over what you've done or what you haven't done or, or a sense of shame because of your sin. <laughs> That's not what good preaching is about. Good preaching has to do with reflection. Hear this? Reflection and conviction. Okay. Reflection. Things, things for me to, you know, that, now this is in my mind, things for me to think about and to consider and to ponder and to talk about 
at, at the family table or with my small group, okay? Reflection. Good preaching, I, I, I hope, this is what I pray for, also brings conviction. Not, it's not happening up here. Conviction happens here. Conviction is when you, you, you know you bumped into the truth and the truth has pierced your heart and spoken deeply to you and it changes things. This is what Jesus did, obviously. That's our, that's our example, our model. He spoke wisdom into people's lives. He challenged their mindsets, you know, gave them things to think about. Of course he did. But then he spoke a truth that pierced their heart. And um, it, it got rid of the hardness of heart and put a tenderness there and a mercy there. And what I'm saying to you, because, again, I know this is true as I've been here and as I've seen Mike and listened to him. That's what he does week after week, and he does it with authority, and he does it with humility. And so I, I you know, why am I talking about Mike? Because he's a blessing, and I want you to embrace him and speak into his life, okay? Okay, so Mike last week stood here and he set the table for us in the new year and in a, in a new sermon series. Don't move the lampstand. Don't move the lampstand. That's the series. What's it about? And, and he used this kind of as a, uh, an object lesson. It, here's the story. In the, uh, in the Old Testament temple, the place of worship in the temple, there was the table, the holy table. And upon it was the bread of presence, a loaf of bread. But it, it represented the presence of Yahweh, Almighty God, okay, this loaf of bread did. And around the table was the lampstand, and the sole purpose of the lampstand was to shine light, where? On the presence, on the bread. And, and to focus and bring our attention and our minds to the presence of God, to the bread, okay? Well, that's nice. So what? Here's the so what. For us, New Testament Christians, we see that bread just a little bit differently. We see the bread of life as Jesus Christ, the bread of presence. He told us that. I'm the bread that sustains you. I'm the bread of life. He referred to himself that way. So that's who the bread is for us New Testament Christians, Christ. And, and what's this lampstand deal? Mercy Road, any church, you and me, more personally, we are to shine our light and keep our focus on Jesus Christ. That's what the series is about, and that's what Mike began to talk about last week, and I just want to continue with that theme and with that thought. If you were to open up your Bibles, I'm going to open up mine, and I'll just read to you just a couple verses, but uh, Luke records this for us, and Mike referenced it last week. Um, Jesus has been resurrected. He said, I'm going to go back to the Father, but you wait here until I send you the Spirit. And on this given day, we now know it as Pentecost, <laughs> the spirit was poured out in a dramatic and overwhelming way and people spoke in different languages and there were 3,000 people that ba baptized that day and that we recognize as the birth of the church okay that day that's happened and now these people that have experienced that and received that they're, they're starting life as the church the new church and uh Luke records it for us. This is in Luke 2, uh, and it's a familiar passage. I'm just picking up at verse 42. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And there's more to that passage. And uh, I would encourage you to, to reflect on it and, and read it uh, in your devotional time this week. I, yeah, I've looked at that passage I don't know how many times, and I like it. You know, this is how the church was birthed, and this is how they behaved in the early days. And I think usually what happens, folks, is we focus on what they did. They devoted themselves to the teaching and the breaking of bread and, and to fellowship, being together, their generosity, you know, meeting needs. And that's a good thing. I would tell you quite honestly, uh, probably about 10 days ago as I was looking at that, I just, I kept coming back to, you know, to this phrase, they devoted themselves, they devoted themselves. And I just want to reflect on that with you for a few minutes. Okay, they devoted themselves. In Greek, in Greek, the word is proskaterio, proskaterio. Why does a pastor bring up Greek? Two reasons. One is the New Testament is written in Greek, so we go back to the original language to get the full meaning of it. Secondly, the pastor's trying to impress you, okay? So, <laughs> proskaterio. Um, and if you, if you did a word study on that Greek word, it means these things. Giving constant attention to being steadfast, persevering, okay, you know, again, focusing. They, they devoted themselves to something. We might say uh, they dedicated themselves to something, and that captures part of it, but not all of it. This proskateria, it has a deeper meaning. I, I would tell you uh, recently I've somewhat dedicated myself to pickleball. Any pickleball players? Okay, it's not just a geezer sport. It's for young people too, okay? And I like it because Nancy and I play it together, and we bought new paddles, and we bought covers for these paddles, and I've been watching videos on how to serve. You, do you realize you're supposed to serve below your belly button? Talk to me later at coffee. I'll, I'll tell you all about it, okay? So uh, have I devoted myself to pickleball? No, I just like it. A sense of dedication. Proskaterios, it means more than just dedicated. It, it is the sense the deeper sense of having given yourself over to someone or to some great cause. Hear this, okay? Giving yourself over to something or to someone. Proskaterio, this Greek word, it's used elsewhere in Scripture to refer to marriage, okay? Let that thought lean against your mind. This kind of covenantal relationship, that kind of devotion where a man and a woman come together, they make promises to one another. What's at the heart of a marriage? They love each other. Yes. But sometimes they don't, okay? What's at the heart of the marriage? These promises, these vows, and then the anointing of the vows, the blessing, okay? That's at the heart. And so that's what proskaterios means, that kind of devotion, a giving over of yourself one to another, this, uh, this covenantal commitment. Forty years ago, this makes me, uh, every time I say this, I, I, I think I'm talking about somebody else. Forty years ago this month, January of, of 1980, I was out knocking on doors, like a door-to-door -door guy, January. 
I've been invited to come down here south of the river and start a new church, got to name the church, Hosanna Lutheran Church. And uh, there was no group, you know, or band waiting for me. <laughs> the church was started with me moving into the neighborhood, getting our house in order, an office, and going out and knocking on doors in January. Look at me, folks. I've said this a million times. This is the true and pure definition of cold calling, okay? Cold calls. <laughs> Hello, my name is Bill Boleyn. I'm going through your neighborhood today to invite people to consider joining a new church house on a Lutheran church. May I ask, do you have a church home? I said that 5,000 times, okay? And yeah, dogs chase me, and yeah, people uh, slam the door on me. Uh, there was another woman. I knocked on her door, and she was about to commit suicide. I thought God had his hand in that. And through those efforts, this introvert out there knocking on doors in January and beyond, we birthed a little church. But I'll tell you something. It, when I was out there, obviously, <laughs> it gave me a lot of time to think. And one of the thoughts that I had is, what's the deal with, you know, my background is Lutheran. What's the deal with it? And again, I don't mean to be too critical, but I was thinking about this. What's the deal with a typical Lutheran church that maybe has 500 members and 137 of them show up for worship on Sunday morning? What, what kind of statement does that make? Oh, I'm a member of that church, I just, and I go every once in a while. What, you know, this level of commitment. And so I started to think about, because we're starting this brand new church, hopefully, what would it mean for us to be a high-commitment church? And in the early days at Hosanna, uh, and I also read this, I heard this statement too. Um, churches don't grow, oftentimes don't grow, not because they ask too much of people, but because they ask too little. Just kind of nonchalant about it. And so in the early days at Hosanna, we, we talked about not just being in a pew, but being on a path. You know, that's what it's about. It's not just the joining of the church, it's the journey, you know, toward maturity and toward all the good things that God has for us. Uh, we, we wanted people uh, to count the cost and consider the cause and then commit themselves to Christ. Now, that's kind of, kind of a clever sentence, but that's what we talked about. And we had, we didn't have new member classes, we had partnership classes. And we spoke into these things. We wanted your joining Hosanna to join this church to be meaningful and a high level of commitment. And so when people were ready to join, they signed a partnership covenant. This is what we will do for the church. This is what the church will do for you. And then we anointed the covenant and we anointed the people with oil. Okay? This is what it means to devote yourself. This is what they did in the early church. And I'm not saying that we got it all right at Hosanna, but we want it to be that kind of church, as you are here at Mercy Road, okay? In the book of Acts, it says the early church devoted themselves to Christ, and the Lord added to their number every single day. People were drawn to that. They saw that this was something different, something meaningful, something that, that uh, these people were excited about and enthused about. And so I just pray that Mercy Road would continue to be that kind of church, and I know that you will be. Why is this so important? I, th I think you know why, but let me just speak into that for a few minutes, okay? I love this quote from uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, part of it's in your, in your bulletin. I just didn't finish it. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. 
None. But if true, it is of infinite ultimate importance. The only thing that Christianity cannot be is moderately important. There's no middle ground with Christianity, no lukewarm aspect to it, okay? If Jesus Christ didn't live a perfect life and die a sacrificial death and rise up victoriously on Easter Sunday morning, if that didn't happen, then you and I, we are defeated and we are deceived and I'm just flapping my gums and this is to no account. We're wasting our time. Paul says this, you know, by the way, 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is use, useless and so is your faith. But, you, you know this, you hear this coming, if it's true that God has fully revealed himself through his son Jesus Christ and loved us and taught us and shown us the way and he was the way, the truth, and the life, now in this kingdom on earth and for eternity, if that's true, then it matters more than anything else in the world. It is of ultimate, in, infinite importance, okay? And it's the source of hope for all of humanity. Where do you look for for hope, folks? It's a good question. Do you look to Washington? Oh, shoot. Let's not go there, okay? <laughs> do you look to Wall Street? Been a good run for a while, but you know what's coming. We just don't know when. Do you, is it a classroom or a courtroom? No. Our hope is found, the hope of humanity is found at the cross of Jesus Christ, okay? There we reflect on, we, we see his perfect life, his sacrificial love, and his eternal victory, okay? That's the source of our hope. And I think it's there at the cross of Christ. This, this would be more personal. I would look each one of you in the eyes. I think that's where you find your purpose in life. Why in the world are you on this earth? And what difference does your life make? You'll find that meaning at the cross. You will fully understand why God created you and why you're here at this particular time. Purpose. Do you, some of you know this because I've talked about it from time to time. Mike probably has too. Do you know what the number one selling all-time best nonfiction book is aside from the Bible? It is second only to the Bible in terms of sales. Do you know what that book is? Some of you do. The Purpose Driven Life. You've heard of it? A guy named Rick Warren, pastor out in California, wrote it. It has sold over 38 million copies, the purpose-driven life. People have eaten it up. They love it. <laughs> and I smile every time I think about this, and you do too, and maybe you've heard it many, too many times. But you know what the first line in that book is? It's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. It's the first line in that book. And it's sold millions of copies. And, and so the question is, uh, why on earth uh, have millions, even billions of people gone to that book or to Rick Warren's book when both books say it's not about you? Because both books say, they, they reveal and express this ultimate truth. It's about him. It's about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, okay? And that is a truth that convicts our hearts and changes all things makes all the difference and we are to be in a relationship with him that's our purpose and we are to reflect him to other people that's what we're about don't you see folks in every human heart every beating heart there is this upward desire 
for my life to matter and to have meaning, not just to get by, not just to eat and have a job and, you know, muddle through. No, there is this desire to find purpose and meaning and for my life to make a difference. There's this upward desire and drive. And, and, God's number one desire, we see it in all of Scripture, is to be with his people. It's the number one promise that he made. I will be with you. I will be with you. He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden in the book of Genesis. In the book of Revelation, it says, and the dwelling place for God will be with his people, and page after page, he wants to be with his people. So here's what I'm saying, folks. This human destiny to ascend and to find purpose and meaning and this divine desire to be with his people intersects perfectly and completely in Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? Do you feel that? In Christ, God fully, completely revealed. In Christ, believers fully redeemed and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's of ultimate importance, and it makes your life meaningful and purposeful when you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You can't be like the church that was described in Revelation 3, Laodicea, lukewarm. Jesus said, you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. He wants us to be passionate and deeply caring followers and devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I'm in a men's group on, excuse me, I'm in a men's group on Wednesday morning and um, they're a good group most of the time. And um, we, we, I just asked this question toward the end of our time last Wednesday. I said, anybody, any of you guys make New Year's resolutions? No, not so much. It, you know, is that a thing of the past? I, it's a good thing to do to reflect on your life and this New Year, it, you know, it's a good thing to do. And I said, you know, I didn't make any either. Um, but what I, what I thought about is, is there, is there a defining question, you know, that I can reflect on and, and bring with me into the new year? And because of what I'm talking about and what I've been thinking about, the defining question for me, for me was and is, what am I devoted to? And does anybody know about it? So that's what I'm thinking about. Let, let that thought rest on your mind, too. Might, might that be something that you would bring in, into the new year? Nancy and I, um, part of our retirement is that we enjoy uh, the end of the day together. I think we always did at some level. But uh, we record Lester Holt Channel 11 every day. And about 6.30, we sit down, maybe with a glass of wine. We talk about the day, and then we listen to Lester Holt. I'm not promoting him. I don't know him. I just like him, okay? Channel 11, NBC Nightly News. If you watch Lester Holt, NBC Nightly News, about 26, 27 minutes of news, and then coming back out of the commercial, the closing minute and a half to two minutes is a segment or a series they do every single night, Inspiring America. Inspiring America. And it's always a story about community uh, tragedy, but people responding, perhaps, people caring, people making sacrifices for one another. It's rather, it is inspiring. It's rather extraordinary. And, and the thing is, the contrast, in my mind, is almost stunning. You know, 24, 25 minutes of news, and it's wars, and it's fires, and it's impeachment, and it's addictions, and you know the news. 
and then it's people caring about each other. It's, it's in a way, darkness, but then there's light. It's confusion and maybe hopelessness, and then there's hope, humanity at its best. Inspiring America. I like it, but it causes me to say, I believe with all my heart, folks, that you and I are supposed to be the inspiration for America. The hope of the world rests in a church like Mercy Road and in our witness to Jesus Christ and this ultimate truth. The world needs it desperately. There is darkness out there. And so um, we are to be the ones who inspire and bring light and hope and truth. And if we believe that and if we care enough about what God has given us, we'll go after other people who haven't heard the good news yet. I, I, you know, I hesitate to tell this story because it's, because it's a cute story, but here it is. Um, a veterinarian uh, answered the door at his office one day, and there were two little boys standing there with a, a puppy, maybe you know, less than a year old. And they said, Doctor, we found this puppy in the, in the side of the road, and he's hurt, and he was limping badly, obviously hurting. No collar, no marking on him. Who knows who, you know, who this dog belongs to, this little puppy. But the doctor took him in and did all that was necessary. A little surgery, some medication, some procedure. Weeks went by, and now the puppy's healthy. And running around the office, and the doctor doesn't know, you know, <laughs> likes the puppy. It has no home. But he was sad one day when he let the puppy out, and he didn't come back. And he thought, well, maybe he does have a home, or maybe he's just out there again. So he was sad until the next day there was a scratching at the door. And he opened the door and his friend was back, his cute little puppy. But he had brought with him another dog who was limping very badly. Is that a cute story? My hope is that it would be a story that brings some conviction to your heart as well. My dear friend, in your time here at Mercy Road, in your relationship with Christ, wherever you have been, have you experienced love? Have you experienced forgiveness? Have you experienced hope? Have you experienced healing? Any of those things. Doesn't it make sense at some deep place in your heart that you would go out and invite others in who are either lost or they're limping pretty badly? That's what the church is to be about. This is the word of God for us today. Luke recorded it. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to Jesus Christ. And God added to their number every single day. Dear people at Mercy Road, it was really something. And it still is. And that's the truth. Amen. Let me pray with you. Uh, Lord, we, <laughs> whenever uh, we come together for worship and to gather around your word, we have the absolute eternal promise of your presence. And so we thank you right now, Lord, that you are moving among us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, 
that you are ministering to us in terms of reflection and conviction. We have some things to think about now because of your word, because of the truth. And there's a sense in our heart, Lord, that you're calling us to a closer walk with you, deeper conviction, more devotion. We're afraid of that, Lord. In fact, we want that as much as anything. So I just say, Holy Spirit, come. I love this church, Lord. I know you've got your arms wrapped around Mercy Road. You do have good plans for them. I pray a blessing upon this ministry, upon Mike and his partners here, the elders here, all the members. I pray blessing on them, Lord, and provision that they would continue to be a light, a lampstand, focusing on you and your presence. We thank you, Jesus, for this morning, for this new year, for the things you're about to do. And we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.